Show of hands real quick. Who here is married? Any married people in the house? All right, yeah, yeah, four of us. Uh, oh, five. Good. There's another hand. Uh, well, I forgot my wedding band at work today, so I drew one on my hand today, um, just so everybody knows. Sharpie. Um, but a few weeks ago, I was in Maryland with my wife, because I'm married, because I'm married, as you can see. And we were in a hotel. It was the first night. I didn't know much about the hotel. But in the middle of the night, I got up and I went to the bathroom. And I made it to the bathroom, okay, fortunately. And I turned the light on. And I thought, okay, now I have to get back, back to bed without hurting myself, right? And I thought, I got it. I'm a genius. There was this one light that was on a little timer switch. And I thought, I'm going to turn the light. I'm going to turn the timer on turn the light on, it's going to give me enough time to get to bed, and then the light will go out at some point, and it won't be on all night, and I won't have to go through the darkness, and um, I can relate to the song that we sung uh, about wanting to be in the light, um, because I, I, I like that metaphor, like we really do want to be in the light. Um, so I turned the timer on, right, not familiar with it, not familiar with the timer, not familiar with the light, not familiar with the layout of the room. But I turn the timer on, and I'm like, all right, this will be easy. I'm, I'm serious. Like, timer, boom, it's out. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know why there's a 15-second mode on this timer light. But I no, no shorter than the time that I got out of the bathroom, the light turned off. And I was like, you know what? I got it. I'm good. But I'm just like the thing from Fantastic Four, right? Like, clobbering time at that point. Just kicking anything in my way. I couldn't see a thing, but I did get to bed, fortunately, so that's good news. Uh, but it would have certainly been better for me either to turn the timer on the full way so that I'd be in the light the whole time, or just not use the light at all. I would have been a lot better um, if I hadn't used the light at all, because if you don't know, in your eyes there's like rods and cones. It sounds really painful, but it's like a medical thing. Um, and that's what helps you see in the light and the dark. Um, and if I wouldn't have turned the light on, my eyes would have been better adapted to go into the darkness. Um, but more on that later. Today is going to be the last day of the Who, What, Where series. It's a series I've really enjoyed. I've enjoyed coming up with the messages and, um, and presenting them. But I had, a, I had a specific verse in my mind um, that I wanted to talk about on the last week. And after I thought about it, I was like, you know what? It doesn't have anything to do with clothes. Like, that's the whole point of this, this series is the wear, is like that we're wearing something or not wearing something. And I was like, how am I going to segue this in if there isn't any talk of clothes? Uh, well, I read further into the passage, and it does talk about clothes, so we're good. Um, I'm just going to roll with it. Don't question it. Uh, but I believe I talked about it briefly in the very first week. So we're going to open with it, and we're going to close with it here in the last week. We're going to be reading in Revelations 3, um, which is a letter. Um, but first we're going to pray, and then we'll get into it. Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word and just how it's always true, how you're always true. I pray that we're able to get so much information from this. And even where I stumble 
even when I fall, that, that you would speak through me and that you would make sense of it, that your spirit would intercede on all of our behalves um, and just do what you do. Make a work in us. Thank you. Amen. Uh, we're going to be starting at Revelations 3, 14. Um, first question, anyone know how to pronounce this? Laodicea. Laodicea? All right. I'm going to do my best. So, thanks, Ian. I didn't, I didn't look it up. So, Verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you, to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. You know, I've heard Revelations 3.16 a lot of times. Because you're not hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. I've heard that a lot of times and I've heard it presented um, a number of times. And I think the way it's kind of frequently pitched is that God would rather you be hot for him, rather be on fire for God, doing works for him, praising him, or he'd rather you be totally against him, not wanting to follow him at all, where the middle would be the lukewarm, where you know about him, you're kind of about it, but then at the same time, you're kind of not. And... I don't know. I, I don't know if that's the best way to look at it. I know it's a, oftentimes a cherry-picked verse without any context, and I, I did some um, looking into the context of the verse and the context of the city, the church that they were writing to, and I think with that context, I think you're going to have a better understanding of the verse um, or this the whole passage here. Um, first of all, much like today, Um, Back then, there were only two ways that people would drink liquids, two different temperatures, and it's the same two that we drink, cold or hot. You know, we have like our teas, we have our coffees, then we also have like our nice ice water, our lemonade, and they're both good. They're both good ways to enjoy drinking, Um, even today. That's, that's kind of how we do it. Rarely do you find somebody who just wants to drink like stale, tepid, lukewarm water. I'm sure there are people, but um, on occasion I will if I really need to hydrate. But I do like it on like the, the colder side. Like anyone ever go to a water fountain on a hot summer day? You're like, oh, I'm parched. I can't wait to get this lukewarm water, right? It's, it's a real problem. There should be, like, laws made about that, but I'm not going to change that here today. At the time, though, the, the lukewarm water was even considered to be dangerous, though, as it had the chance to grow bacteria and diseases, and 
it would literally, if you drank the lukewarm water, it would literally cause you to vomit. It would make you sick. And I think that little piece there goes a long way into looking at this passage. But regardless, it was really important to either drink hot water or cold water and not the lukewarm water. This city specifically had an issue with this because they had a little bit of a water problem. Um, They had to get creative on how they were going to get water to themselves. And at one point, there was an aqueduct built, and it came from a hot spring. That's great, right? Hot water. That's one of the two types of waters that you want. Unfortunately, it was so far away that by the time it got there, it was lukewarm water, and it it wasn't good to drink at that point. So then we have the problem. You could go drink the diseased, lukewarm water that could make you sick. You'd spit it out. You'd vomit it. In my opinion, that kind of brings this passage to life a little bit more about the metaphor in the context of um, what God was saying to his people. Um, but the thing I'm, I'm not sure about, I, I truly don't know, is in this context, is it possible that to be hot water and to be cold water are both being for God? I'm not sure, and I, I welcome discussion about that. But I, I think it's possible that you can be hot, you can be on fire for God, you can be doing great things, or you can be refreshing, you can be like a cool water for God. Instead of the mindset of, I'd rather you be for me or against me, maybe you're saying, I'd rather you be for me or for me, not lukewarm. I don't know. But I do think it's entirely possible to be a cool glass of water to somebody on a hot day, to offer them ice water in the name of Jesus. Whether you think it's um, he'd rather you be good or bad for him or against him or just for him and for him, either way, it's kind of irrelevant because either way, the one thing is for sure, you don't want to be lukewarm. You don't want to know about God but not be You don't want to know about God and not be about him. You don't want to be this stagnant, diseased water. And I want to give you a little more background on the city and then go back and read part of the passage. They were extremely rich. They produced wool for clothes, and they had a medical school to produce eye medication. Rich, clothes, eye medication. Rich, clothes, eye medication. Does that ring a bell with the context of this verse? Let's read the second part again, starting at verse 17. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. God was calling them out. He called them poor, naked, blind. And what were the three things they were known for? Their wealth, their clothes, and their eye medication. A direct attack 
on the huge industries in the city, banking, clothing, and medicine. They thought that those three things gave them meaning. They thought that those three things gave them life. And God tells them to get all three of those things. But who does he tell them to get it from? Does he tell them to get it from the, the medical school or from the, the wool dealer? I don't know what they'd be called. Um, no. He says to get those three things from him. Buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. We try to get the material things of the world, but we need to be going to God to get the spiritual things, to get the spiritual riches. We need to be going to God to get our medication, our clothes, and our wealth. And I have to wonder, if he was talking to America, what things would he tell us to buy from him? Would he tell us to buy our cars from him, our pets from him, our TVs from him, our houses from him? What would he be writing saying, don't find your identity here. Get those things from me. Seek the spiritual riches. What's making you blind, naked, and broke? What's keeping you from being and living all of your life for Christ? What's making your temperature go lukewarm? Maybe nothing. Maybe you're on fire. Maybe you're absolutely hot water through and through. But maybe not. Maybe it's something. We'll keep going on in the letter, starting at verse 19 here. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. Stand, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Why did God write this letter to the church? This seemingly like angry letter telling them all the things they're doing wrong. Why did, why did he write it to them? Because he loved them. It says, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So many people don't want to be rebuked. So many people don't want to be disciplined. They don't want to be corrected. Shouldn't we, shouldn't we strive for that? Shouldn't we adore correction? Like if we're doing something wrong, shouldn't we just absolutely love it when we're corrected? When we're going in the wrong direction and we're pointed back on, on track? Because what's that a sign of? It's a sign of love. To those who Jesus loves, he disciplines. To those Jesus loves, he rebukes. It's not because he hates you. We should, we should strive for that guidance. We should strive for that correction. So what's that mean? It means if you're lukewarm today, if you're about to get vomited out of God's mouth, know that that's not the end. Know that you can change. You don't have to stay lukewarm. Jesus loves you, and he doesn't want you to stay lukewarm. He wants to discipline you, 
He wants to correct you. Through rebuke and discipline, the Lord calls you back to himself. He's standing at the door, waiting for the door to open, but the door doesn't open by itself. It won't just open. It's an action. Open the door. Feast with Jesus. Now on the other side of things, there's a good chance that a lot of you are not lukewarm. Um, I've seen it. I can attest to it. I know everyone in this room is not lukewarm. So that's the good news. Um, this letter was written... <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. This letter was written to a specific church, and it wasn't CEFC. So that's the good news. It might be applicable to some, but it's certainly not for everybody. Um, so what's kind of the takeaway for everybody else? The fresh, hot water. Well, we're going to go to the very end of the letter, starting at verse 21. And it says, To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, will sit with Jesus on his throne. We don't even deserve to see Jesus. We don't deserve to be able to talk to Jesus. Yet what does he want to give us for being victorious? He wants us to sit with him on his throne. Let the weight of that sink in for a second. The same person who there's power in just touching a corner of the fabric that he's wearing, he wants us to sit with him on his throne. If you're hot water, keep being hot. It's hard some days, but there's a throne in heaven, and it belongs to Jesus, but he wants you there with him. It makes no sense to me. I can't fathom the fact that someday we'll be able to sit with Jesus. I can't fathom that. It doesn't make sense to me, but it doesn't have to make sense to me. I don't see how it can happen, but Jesus works with the impossible. So if you're hot water, keep being hot. Keep being victorious. It's going to be worth it. If you're lukewarm, make a move. you got to choose. No choice is a choice. To choose not to move is a choice, but it's not the right one. you got to get hot. you got to become a water that's drinkable, not a water that's going to make someone sick. Make a move and open the door. Father, thank you for your word. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve you. We certainly don't deserve to sit on your throne someday. But you want us there. We do so much wrong. So much that you shouldn't even like us. But you love us and you love us enough that when we oppose you, when we're lukewarm, 
that in love you discipline us, you guide us, you rebuke us so that we can be victorious. You love us. We thank you for that love. We thank you for everything that love means for us, for the grace, for the joy that we get to have because of your love. I pray for everyone here that's hot water, everybody here that's, that's drinkable, that's healing, that's loving, that's hospitality, for everyone here that makes a difference for your kingdom every single day. I thank you for them, and I pray that they get even hotter, that you love them so much and they love you so much, and that that love just boils, and it, and it flows into every part of their life that they'd bring other people to the hot water. I pray for anyone that's lukewarm right now, that they would just have this sense of urgency, just this weight on their spirit to stop, to run to you, to accept your rebuke, accept your discipline, and become hot water become on fire, become burning for you. Make us usable. Change us, mold us to whatever it is you need us to be. Thank you. Amen. I got uh, two discussion questions for you, um, but you guys can break up into small groups of three or four. When have you been lukewarm in your life? I think if we're honest, there's probably at least a time or a scenario where we've been lukewarm in our life. Um, this city found uh, its security in money, clothes, and medicine. What do you sometimes find security in? What do you need to trade your security in to find those things in Jesus? You guys can split up. Thank you.